Welcome to the Josie Bass podcast series. We take listeners beyond the printed page where our authors reveal what motivates and inspires them to write about their groundbreaking ideas. Hello, this is Danny Scoville with Josie Bass, and today I'm talking with Ed Lawler and Chris Worley, authors of the recently published Management Reset, Organizing for Sustainable Effectiveness. Welcome, Ed and Chris. Welcome. Hi, how are you, Danny? Good to be with you. Great. You titled your book Management Reset. Why did you choose that title? Is a reset really needed at this point in time? We chose the word reset because we thought it strongly emphasized the totality of the changes that need to be made in the way corporations are managed today. Obvious to anybody that's been following social trends, economic trends, and environmental trends over the last decades that the world is a dramatically different place than it was 20, 30, 40 years ago. And yet we're still managing most of our large organizations, both public and private, in ways that were developed in really the first half of the last century and for a totally different environment. As a result, we felt that using the word reset would really capture the amount of change that is needed. Change both in the way organizations are structured and the processes they use, and perhaps most importantly, in the objectives that they're striving to achieve. Historically, if an organization did well financially, that was pretty much all that was asked of it. It maybe needed to get at least a passing grade in terms of the way it treated its employees and some of its social impact, but it really hasn't been and is only recently beginning to be held accountable for a broader array of outcomes it produces. Today, an organization has to be effective in multiple ways and simply stated, it's not possible to be effective in those ways unless the organization is managed in a very different manner than organizations have traditionally been managed, and indeed most of them still are and are still managed. So what needs to be changed by the management reset you proposed? We thought that uh, one of the things that was most important for an organization to do in response to the changes that Ed was talking about was to begin to rethink who they are as a corporation. A sustainable management organization pursues different goals. Ed referred to the notion that a lot of organizations traditionally pursue economic or financial goals. What we're proposing is that organizations uh, change that and begin to pursue multiple goals along economic and financial lines and dimensions, as well as social and community dimensions, and then environmental and ecological. When Patagonia decided that they wanted to shift from a more traditional organization to a sustainable organization, they had to completely rethink their economic logic, and uh, they had to pursue social and environmental goals as well as economic goals. This is a much more radical notion than it might at first appear. Organizations are used to maximizing their profit. And because they want to maximize their profit, they want to minimize the costs and expenses associated with anything that's not directly related to profitability. That means that things like social and community development initiatives, initiatives associated with figuring out science of sustainability, stuff around initiatives around making a better world, tend to get pushed down in priority. So we think one of the things organizations are going to have to figure out is how to pursue these multiple goals. And I think the other thing that Ed mentioned that's important is 
we think pursuing sustainable management means that every part of the organization is going to have to change. The structure is going to need to change. The way we treat human resources is going to have to change. One of our favorite examples here is, is Gap, Inc., the apparel designer and retailer. When they decided to pursue sustainability, they took sustainable issues, whether it was working in the supply chain with labor relations in foreign countries, sourcing sustainable cotton from uh, proper sources. They married that, those ideas with their human resource organization and created a, a corporate responsibility group that then can push sustainability ideas through the organization in terms of training, training and development, leadership development, and now when the HR organization goes to work with the brands, they're also bringing a sustainability message. So if organizations are going to shift and become more sustainable, it's going to affect every part of who they are. Thank you, Chris. Just to add a note, we, in the book, go pretty carefully through most of the major systems in an organization, all the way from performance management through talent management, compensation, budgeting, strategy development and show how they have to be done differently in order to get a sustainably effective organization in order to build in the idea of an organization that can perform well in more than just the economic arena. We simply don't think that without that amount of change, it's possible for an organization to perform effectively in today's environment. We also point out that we have some tools today that didn't exist previously that enable us to manage differently. Information technology, of course, being a key one, as well as a global workforce and a global economy that's very different. All these mean that organizations can be managed differently and often effectively in an era, in an environment, and in an era that is radically different, again, from the one in which the traditional approaches to organization and the traditional management tools were developed. You write about achieving sustainable effectiveness. What do you mean by this and how can it be measured? Well, the first question is, is relatively easy to answer. That is, what do we mean by it? The second one is, is more difficult. I may even leave that one for Chris. By sustainable effectiveness, we do mean three kinds of outcomes, social impact, financial impact and financial performance, and environmental impact and performance. In the social uh, arena, we include both employees and how an organization impacts the lives and quality of life of its employees and, of course, the broader community. Fairly easy to measure how an organization impacts its employees. We've had a lot of experience with that, doing surveys, checking health records, et cetera, et cetera. Once you look outside into the community, however, measuring social impact becomes more difficult. And indeed, uh, I think it's definitely an area that you have to say is under development. Of course, we have a lot of experience in developing financial indicators of how well an organization is doing. Contrast there then would, of course, be to the environmental impact of the organization on our ability to, to measure that. That area is developing rapidly, and we're seeing more and more organizations like uh, PepsiCo, Gap, et cetera, issuing impact statements that show, in fact, what their environmental impact has been. So I'm optimistic that that area is going to move ahead rather rapidly. Chris, do you want to add to that? Yeah, let me comment on the first part around what is sustainable effectiveness. I think Ed and I have come to the point of view where sustainable effectiveness 
uh, means a couple of different things. On the one hand, as Ed mentioned, we think it means producing outcomes related to financial performance, uh, social and community performance, and environmental performance. But we also think sustainable effectiveness refers to the agility inside the organization to be able to sustain that effectiveness over time. So it has sort of two components to it. One is the ability to sustain performance, and then second, it has the ability to generate outcomes along these three dimensions. With respect to the measurement issue, I think two things are are coming up very important around social and environmental issues. The first is transparency. Uh, organizations are being asked to be very open with respect to how they measure their impact on social and environmental issues. The most obvious one on environmental has tended to be the uh, carbon footprint, measuring how much CO2 the organization is putting into the environment and how their activities are lowering the amount of CO2 put into the air. So you see a lot of organizations spending a lot of time figuring out what their carbon footprint is, setting a baseline, and then measuring against that over time and announcing certain amounts of goals. For the social side, I think one of the things that we see a lot of is third-party verification. So again, it goes with the transparency issue. A lot of times organizations need to have somebody outside the organization audit them and confirm that the activities they conduct in the communities where they do business are in fact supporting labor, labor issues, right to work, freedom of association, and other kinds of diversity and social issues that help people understand the organization is there to be a benefit to them. Your previous book, Built to Change, talks about agility and the importance of change. How does Management Reset deal with the need for agility? It sees it as a fundamental design factor, just like we stressed it should be in all organizations in Built to Change. We felt beginning, really, with our writing here that we were going to update Built to Change, but as we thought about what we wanted to write and what was going on in the world, we felt we needed to go beyond that. We needed, yes, to emphasize and develop some of the arguments that we made in Built to Change about how, in order to be effective, organizations have to be continuously changing. But uh, once we got into writing, we realized that in Built to Change, in the book, we had failed to talk enough about social impact and environmental impact of the organization. So as we wrote, we incorporated that into our design recommendations for organizations and coupled them with the need for agility and change that's brought on by the rapid environmental change that we have. In other words, just because today we have an organization that's doing well, whether it be financially, socially, or environmentally, we should not assume that continued performance of the same type will be judged as acceptable, nor that we can even get the same kind of outcomes by operating the same way over time because the environment may present obstacles or challenges that mean you simply have to operate in new ways in order to get the same outcomes. Yeah, I would add to that just by way of a couple of examples. After the Built to Change book came out, we began to do research on understanding which organizations best fit with our ideas of agility. 
And what we thought in Management Reset was that those organizations that are very agile also ought to be very sustainable. And there's a couple of cases that I think have turned out to be quite true. Uh, one of our favorite examples is the DeVita Corporation. They're a kidney care company, a Fortune 500 organization. And they have an organization design which is incredibly flexible and nimble and adaptable. And they took that adaptability and that capability to change and they moved into the sustainability space. They leveraged their ability to change by moving forward and addressing social and environmental issues in a really rapid way. So they turned out to be a great example of an organization that was doing both. Another organization that we think is doing a great job at both agility and sustainability is Nokia. The Finnish device manufacturer, they make mobile phones and they're the market share leader in the world with respect to mobile devices. That organization has a tremendous ability to be flexible and adaptable in offering different kinds of phones to different kinds of people in different markets. And they can mix and match the services they provide and the kinds of phones they provide to a variety of people and emerging markets and developed markets around the world. At the same time, they've been able to drive sustainability using their phones. Nokia had a great insight that not only could they be sustainable as an organization, but because a billion people are holding one of their phones, they could send messages and educate people about how to act more responsibly with respect to the environment, with respect to recycling their phones, with respect to conducting their lives. And they've figured out a way to sort of leverage that embedded base of mobile phones to do some really great things in a variety of different circumstances in emerging markets and developing markets. And again, they're a great example of someone who is agile on the one hand and uses that agility to be sustainable on the other. So what are the challenges then in creating a sustainably effective organization? When Ed and I were writing the book, this was one of the things that we knew people were going to need some guidance about. And as we thought about it, probably the first thing that was at the top of our list was the biggest challenge organizations were going to have to face was how to embed a new mindset around sustainability into the organization. That is, how do you get an organization's identity its culture, its brand, to support sustainability as one of the things that is normal and routine in the organization. That's going to be a, a long-term challenge for a lot of organizations. The traditional way of thinking where you only are concerned about financial performance is pretty ingrained in the way managers think about their organization. It's pretty ingrained in the way we manage talent inside the organization. And so getting the mindset of sustainability embedded in the organization is going to be really difficult. And it's a real challenge that the senior leaders are going to have to pay attention to and emphasize for a long period of time. I think another important challenge is that no organization is independent. It has to exist in a network of relationships with suppliers and vendors that provide them with materials, raw materials, talent, and then they have to deal with customers, regulators, and so organizations exist in a context and in a network. In order to sustain 
the organization and to produce sustainable outcomes, organizations are going to have to pay attention to that network. Who do they do business with on the supplier side? And how do they convince and educate customers to prefer products and services that are more likely to support environmental and social issues? I think figuring out this network and building a network of regulators, customers, suppliers that support a sustainable organization is also going to be a major challenge. Just to add a short note to that, the last chapter of the book, we do devote to the issue of organizational change and how you can change a traditional organization into a sustainably effective one and talk a little bit about what levers there are and what change processes should be put in place. It is a major challenge. There's no question about it. It's much easier to create from a green field, to use an old term from the manufacturing world, a sustainably effective organization than it is to convert one. And many organizations, I think, delude themselves when they have a sustainability program or a social welfare or social good program and uh, result feel and think that, well, now they've done it. They're sustainably effective because they have this program. Of course, nothing could be much further from the truth. They've added on something that is a not part of the culture in most cases and that is not really affecting the basic operation of the organization and the way it's managed uh, in a meaningful way have to start somewhere, certainly, and those programs can be a first step, but they need to progress to the point where, as Chris said, they're part of the culture of the organization, they're part of the identity of the organization, they're part of the structure, the metrics, the analytics, the reward system, and so on. Sustainable effect in this is something that has to be in the very basic in identity and essence of the organization, if you will, in its genes. Thank you so much for your time, Ed and Chris. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you for taking the time to talk with us. I've been talking with Ed Lawler and Chris Worley, authors of the recently published Management Reset, Organizing for Sustainable Effectiveness. For more information on this or other Josie Bass titles, go to josiebass.com. To find out more about this title and all Josie Bass publications, please visit www.josiebass.com. That's J-O-S-S-E-Y-B-A-S-S dot com.